friends, welcome back for another episode of the Free to Love podcast. This week's conversation, we're calling Sexuality, Blessed, Complex, Disordered. Everywhere, it seems, the topic of sexuality is the source of pain and division, misunderstanding and fear. In many ways, this is deeply understandable, given how intimately intertwined our sexuality is with our sense of identity and our capacity to live a joyous and meaningful life. Similarly, many of our fiercest hopes and longings are tied to sexuality. So too are our fears and many of our deepest woundings. Because of sexuality's power, both culturally and individually, it is crucial that we reorient the conversation, prioritizing a deeper view and posturing ourselves to explore with humility, sensitivity, and care, rather than using simplistic dogmas that perpetuate the shame versus shamelessness dynamic that seems so presently ascendant. Our hope is that this conversation would invite you to slow down and marvel at the beauty of sexuality, confront the shame-based narratives driving our present understandings, and to experience God's desire to heal and order our sexuality so that it may result in freedom and flourishing. We hope that this week's conversation is a blessing to you. Jeff, Jennifer, great to be with you. Hey, Joseph. <laughs> hey, Joseph. How we doing? I see, Jeff, you've got us some nice, delicious coffees. We're ready yes. to go. Dive into the, fired up. the simple, straightforward topic <laughs> of today's conversation, yeah. which is, drumroll please, sexuality. <laughs> Very bland and shallow conversation. No one's interested in it. Um <laughs> There's very little to be said about it, so let's just dive in. We'll be done in yeah. five or ten minutes. Are we diving in the deep end, or are we, <laughs> we going to start with a shallow end? Um, you know, we're going we're gonna to start at 30,000 feet, okay. and we're going to work our way down through mm. some of the different levels of sexuality and the history of this conversation and this topic within and without the church. And so, um, just a, you know, we won't cover everything. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think that I'm really looking forward to some of the topics we've identified we want to have a conversation about. So mm-hmm. I'm going to kick us off and just let you listeners know our goal of this conversation is we really want to affirm sexuality. It's basic goodness. The fact mm-hmm. that God has created it as a, a glorified, a beautiful aspect of humanity Mm. from the very beginning. And um, so this is not a a negative conversation. Mm -hmm. We will have some, we will talk about some of the distortions that we've seen um, that we all have to contend with living in the day and age that we do. But fundamentally, Mm. this is a conversation about the goodness of sexuality. Mm -hmm. Um, So just, we hope that this, this space and this conversation will be a safe one. It will be a warm and inviting one. And it'll be one that invites each and every one of us to a life marked by freedom, by grace, by tenderness, by love, by compassion, by wisdom, understanding. So to kick things off, I'm just going to give, I'm going to borrow some, a framework that actually Ronald Rollheiser has introduced me to when he's written on some, the the subject of sexuality. And I'm forgetting the name of his book specifically that he's written about. He addresses it in his spiritual classic called The Holy Longing, which I can't recommend enough. But I'll put 
the, some of his books in the show notes if people are more interested to follow up. But he, he identifies a big problem. One of the reasons why this conversation is so fraught within the church and within, without the church is because we don't do a very good job of defining what we are meaning when we're talking about sexuality. Yeah. So I want to try and offer a very brief couple of minutes um, that try and offer a distinction uh, in terms that we will be using throughout the rest of this episode and that just cover a little bit of the landscape of recent history to set the stage for the conversation that we'll have. Sound good? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Rollheiser suggests that we get into trouble because we, when we talk about sexuality, what people immediately go towards is like sex or sexual acts or what he says is um, genitalia, right? So it's, it's not, it's a fairly narrow idea. Very that, carnal. Yes. It's very carnal. Great word. Yeah. It's very carnal, um, and that's really unfortunate in a lot of ways because the the witness of Scripture actually engages sexuality on a much more holistic level, a much mm-hmm. more um, communal level. So it's not just limited to sexual acts, or even in some ways the the way that we talk about sexuality and sexual identity today. He does say that hey, in order to have So in order to have a good conversation, a fruitful conversation around sexuality, we need to distinguish sexuality from sex or genitalia, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to try, when we're talking today, um, we're predominantly going to be trying to use sexuality as this more holistic, positive term, um, as opposed to this more limited, constrained view of just of sex or sexual acts. Um, the next aspect of this little intro to set the stage is that he identifies three different kind of, um, hinge points that have fundamentally changed the context of sexuality for us. The first one being, uh, the invention of, of the pill or, um, contraception, contraception. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. What that did for us as a species was it changed um, it changed things dramatically because for all of human history, sexuality and including sexual acts were connected to the idea of procreation. It was mm-hmm. an unavoidable risk. If mm-hmm. you're going to engage in that, then procreation was a possibility. The invention of contraception changed that. It meant that we could engage in sexual acts, that aspect of sexuality, um, without or with by really decreasing the risk of procreation. The next change. Because that yeah. that's significant because it allowed it, it allowed sex to become its own end in and of itself mm-hmm. outside of maybe family bonds, outside of relationship. Yes. That's what, that's yes. why that's a significant development. Yes, absolutely. That, so there, that development happens. Then the sexual revolution, particularly in the United States in the 1960s, is kind of the next hinge point that changes the conversation because then we see that, okay, sex can happen within marriage without the risk of having kids. So it can be just an end of itself. It can be a recreational activity. It can be just centered around pleasure. This, the sexual revolution of the 60s blows that up Right, and so now sex is not just confined to marriage; um, it's more. It's outside of that, right? In all sorts of different ways. We don't need to go into detail, just to identify that that was the next step that was kind of taken in redefining uh, the popular conception and understanding of of sexuality. Is that now sex 
Um, and that part of sexuality isn't just confined to um, one man, one woman, to one marriage. It's it's out there in the popular culture in a, in a way different way. Fast forward then into the 1990s and the early 2000s, we see the advent of technology come, and that once again changes the landscape. And we see another step taken, which is that um, after the sexual revolution, sex was kind of now not taboo so much to have within the context of dating or, you know, hey, I can love this person and we can we don't have to be married and we can have sex. Well, the 1990s and the early 2000s, we see, I think people have termed it hookup culture in some capacity, where even another step is taken where that happens. It doesn't even have to happen in the context of a relationship. Yeah. It can, it can just be this kind of passing act in some ways between two different people and that becomes normalized. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the further separation of the acts of sex from covenanted relationship. Yes. That's just wedging wider, wider. The divide is getting greater and greater. Yeah. That's where he, he ends his kind of identifying uh, these three different uh, stages that have changed the landscape around this conversation of sexuality. I think that to, I would add probably one more that we've been experiencing the last the last decade is um, how the conversation around sexuality has really been changed as as we've lived more and more of our lives in the in the virtual and digital space, and we're seeing Gen Z, um, and the millennial generation, and Gen Z have an even uh, even further detached view of sexuality in some ways. And so we won't go into that in detail. I just want to acknowledge that we have in the last 10 years or so, we've seen yet another kind of major mm. shift. So here endeth the history lesson. <laughs> we are, we've <laughs> arrived good. at today yeah. and I, I just want to lay that out to acknowledge that, um, that's, that's a lot of change that's happened in the last 50 years, mm-hmm. 70 yeah. years or so. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that hasn't even got to us talking about the kind of historical legacy that the church has mm-hmm. around this conversation and this topic. So before we dive into it, we're just acknowledging that this is a complex, convoluted topic. And mm-hmm. so each of the, our listeners and each of us is bringing a different perspective. We're bringing a different yeah. gender perspective. We're bringing mm-hmm. different generational perspectives into yeah. this. And that's where these the conversations can really easily drift into being motivated by fear and fear of fear of misunderstanding, fear of judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't want to do that. We want to try mm-hmm. and ground it in safety and love and in trust today. Yeah. So any, any comments or reflections after my brief little history lesson there? No, I love it. I think it's helpful. Yeah. Um, my immediate thought is as we historically, as we move more into a postmodern world, is uh, it creates a greater sense of confusion. And so I think this confusion is is certainly being manifested and it's being crazily expressed in our culture today with our identity. And so through identity confusion is our propensity is to become more um, fragmented and compartmentalized sexuality. So, uh, it, and so we compartmentalize it. We, it creates a greater sense of misunderstanding, uh, language becomes an issue. And, uh, and it really is the antithesis of as God, God created us, uh, created man and woman, um, and to see the, the beauty, as you were saying, the beauty of our sexuality and sexuality isn't just an act, but it's really, it describes our, 
or total being and who we are created in his image from mm-hmm. a triune God. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a great place for us to really begin and start is to embrace the fact of uh, affirming our sexuality and embracing the beauty of mm-hmm. not only in, in our gender differences, but in uh, universally being all of us, man or woman being created in the image of God is there's so much beauty and so much creativity and there's so much to 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 learn and to grow and to appreciate mm-hmm. who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as you were both speaking, um, I can imagine somebody being confused on how you how what we mean by sexuality and the holistic totality that we're talking about versus mm-hmm. just like sexual acts or or um, biology kind of thing. And so I'm thinking. Um, a way to describe what we're talking about is really building off of what Jeff just said there, um, being created in the image of God, the whole person, um, and acknowledging how we were created is as beings who are embodied in flesh. Mm-hmm. We are spirit, soul, thinking, heart-filled people embodied in physical bodies. Mm-hmm. And so we cannot separate out the physical... Um, behavior from the rest of our soul. I think that's where damage happens. Mm -hmm. And so when we're talking about sexuality, we're talking about the integration of my emotions and my heart, my thinking, my thoughts are expressed in a physical way, Mm -hmm. in my breathing, in my being. Mm -hmm. Um, When I love, when I um, am moved and I'm stirred, I express that in a physical way. Yes. Think of uh, art, think of dance, think of um, sports, think mm-hmm. of um, emote, like just getting excited about something, you feel it expressed in your body. Mm-hmm. And um, sex, um, I think how we are designed is as a whole person, when you love someone and, and you're feeling like there's, that's why we have these urges, sexual urges, and mm-hmm. it's a holistic experience. And I think that's why discussing how those, how it's been, how separating out the physicality from the whole person over the ages has been an unhelpful thing. Yes. Um, And I think God created us Mm -hmm. to be integrated. So here we are telling all of you and us that God affirms our sexuality. He made us as whole people, Mm -hmm. fully integrated sexual beings with this ability to express deep feeling and love with each other in relationship um, in a powerful way that actually can produce life. Like it is a beautiful thing. That's part of how we Mm -hmm. were designed. um, And it's meant to be integrated into our whole self. Yes. Gosh. Thank you, Jen. I love that you grounded us in embodiment, holistic Mm -hmm. embodiment that incorporates um, our spiritual self, mm-hmm. our mental, our emotional states, you know, as well as our, our physical embodied beings and the way that they engage with the world and with people around us. I think that's, thank you for catching the fact that we didn't offer a clear um, counterpoint, right? I, I do, Rollheiser to go back to him really quick, you know, he, he describes it as this universal drive for life, this this sacred life force that permeates and drives the universe. So mm. he even kind of equates and connects the energy and the passion, the love and the vision that was driving God to create mm. the cosmos. Mm. He's wanting to try and connect sexuality um, to that, to that aspect mm. of God. We, we share that in common. So 
that opens the door for us to reimagine sexuality in this far more beautiful and complex and nuanced way. And it incorporates a lot of the things that you just said. I think a point that he makes is that authentic sexuality is that the, is that force or that drive, that longing within us that drives us to be co-creators with God, mm. co-creators and lovers with God, which we see baked into, I mean, that's part of what the, the Genesis 1 and 2 accounts describe is that, hey, we are created as the pinnacle of creation to be co-creators with God. So mm-hmm. for us, as we're talking about this healthy vision of sexuality is us learning how to name, and to acknowledge, and to channel those passions, those urges, those longings to create life um, into all sorts of healthy and constructive expressions rather than destructive, fragmenting, isolating, or dehumanizing mm-hmm. um, activities yeah. or ways of thinking. So, you know, authentic se- sexuality isn't just about sex, right? It's yeah. about creativity. It's about it's about the the impulse towards motherhood and fatherhood, towards artisans and creators, brothers and sisters, nurses, healers, community builders. Beautiful expression yes. of what's within. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Which is a really different way than how the church has typically talked about mm-hmm. sexuality. We've we've usually limited it mm-hmm. to sex. Yeah. Right. And the sexes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, philosophically, you really can't deny the tension between. Uh, universalism as well as particularism or unity and diversity. Mm-hmm. So that's the tension we live in is, and we see that in the nature of God. And so is in, in the spiritual battle that we are engaged in, in this dimension of darkness and evil is that the enemy wants to attack our understanding of who God is and to minimize the reality that God is a loving God, He's a triune God. Mm-hmm. Who there's He's one God, but there's there's three there's three people, there's three mm-hmm. entities in the one God. Mm-hmm. So the beautiful of unity and diversity is that that's that's also manifested in our sexuality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's so much there's so much similarities in, in God created man and woman, and there's so much truth that encompasses our humanity. At the same time, there's a distinction and there's yes. beauty in the diversity between our, our masculinity and, you know, and our femininity. And mm-hmm. even those terms, we're at a place now where those terms can be offensive to people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we as Christians realize that, that our sense of our humanity and our sexuality needs to be grounded in the very nature of who God is. We, have, we come from a loving a loving God who redeems us even in our sexuality. And he does that by creating a sense of, of healing in our wholeness. Mm-hmm. So I think um, something that's been very freeing for me is some of the work on integration of realizing that it's okay, that I am a sexual being and that this is a part, it's a holistic part of me. Mm-hmm. It's not like to decompartmentalize ourselves, I think is a healthy exercise um, to realize that it's okay to, um, express love and affection through touch. It's okay mm-hmm. to, um, like this, is, these are good things. Um, being growing up in the church, um, I think there's a lot of shame culture mm-hmm. around talking about sexuality. And so I think that's one reason why we wanted to start with affirming the goodness of it and that we are created this way. Um, because there are, 
especially in the church, there's been so much, um, you feel you have sexual urges, but apparently you're not supposed to, and there's Mm -hmm. shame involved. And so don't talk about it or it pushes it underground or it just, we want to, um, break that, that's that culture and break that legacy of shame. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that legacy, I mean, (laughs) it goes back a long way. Obviously I'm a, you know, I was born in 86, so I'm a, I'm an earlier millennial, but a part of the millennial cohort and grew up in the evangelical movement. And so of course, you know, I kissed dating goodbye, every young man's battle, the purity movement. Mm -hmm. I had a purity ring. I had a couple of purity rings. Me too. You know, um, (laughs) you had a couple. I I, I have no idea what you're talking about being a baby. baby (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But the generational differences in this conversation are important. You know, I think that we might get to some of that a little bit later, but yeah, trying to counteract that legacy of shame and to go to your point, Jeff, about the, the, the tension between the universal and the particular, right? About uh, and we talked about this some in our kind of our pre-conversation that uh, maybe some of the ways that the church has contributed negatively to this conversation around a healthy understanding of sexuality is that we've actually tried to pull and separate the genders mm. and the roles that genders play um, and their differences, pull them too far apart. We've de-emphasized the commonality between mm-hmm. the shared human experience of sexuality mm-hmm. and what a gift that that can be in bringing us together, building mutuality and understanding. And we've tried to, we've created caricatures of what what masculinity looks like and what femininity mm-hmm. looks like and what the sexual expression of of the genders looks like. And what we're, we're suggesting is that... Um, well, hey, yeah, on the one hand, we don't want to lose the distinctiveness because that's important. Mm-hmm. It's important because it's, and it's honoring. Beautiful. It's beautiful, yeah. right? Um, this <laughs> Exactly. Things that take our breath away are oftentimes unique. That's part mm-hmm. of an element of how we kind of cross-culturally define beauty mm-hmm. um, is, is the kind of the exceptional. And so if everything were the same, if everybody is the same, that's actually dishonoring and it's less beautiful, yeah. right? So... There's a way for us. There is this Trinitarian third way mm-hmm. of holding the, um, the them in tension, but not being sucked into this extreme bipolarity yeah. that has yeah. been really destructive yeah. for a lot of people and really makes, uh, it paves the way for conversations around sexuality, particularly within the church, to be governed by shame, to be governed by fear. You know, and we saw... This isn't the setting to talk about it, but yeah, yeah, secrecy, right? We've we've seen that we don't have a great track record. I think the church really has a good truth here to try and uphold um, this beautiful vision of, of sexuality that is healthy mm-hmm. um, for all people. But we haven't we've we've backed into that in a um, in an unfortunate way. So I'm hoping that this conversation we can just explore some of the um, the ways that can minimize the distortions. Yeah, and being saved in the 70s as a baby boomer, Mm -hmm. um, that I've witnessed the church in its fundamentalism is we turn spirituality and we've turned sexuality into dogma. Mm. And in trying to defend and to protect uh, uh, what we think is true spirituality or sexuality has, unfortunately, um, it has reduced sexuality to role playing. Mm. So that that has caused so much 
that has caused so what much do you controversy. Mean by that? Can you describe that? Like, what do you mean by role playing? Um, that we look at sexuality more as behavior and as um, roles that we play as as a uh, male and female within the church. Like this is what a man looks like. This is what this a is man what a, looks like. This, this is, is what, what a, a good man is. This, is, this what is what a good, what, yeah. yeah. And this is how we a good man behaves and this is how a good woman behaves. And I think it really does undermine the the true affirmation of the authenticity of, of what God intended for us to be in a humanity. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, we're distinctly unique and different. At the same time, there's so much similarity. There's so much beauty in the commonality of our of our sexuality that mm-hmm. we lose sight of. So we, yeah. we find ourselves falling into more fear-based or shame-based, which then we reduce these these terms, these concepts to terms that only cause more uh, polarization and division. Sure, because if you don't look like that mm-hmm. good godly man or that good godly woman if that if you don't fit that if you don't check all those boxes then you there's fear there there's yeah. shame there there must be something wrong with me um i must be so different than everyone else i can't talk about this or i can't bring my whole self to the table um so yeah that's it's powerful and it's important to acknowledge that and realize that yeah i want to Sorry, I keep going back to Genesis in some <laughs> capacity, um, because what I hear you naming so helpfully for us is that in your experience, Jeff, um, yes, yeah, some of the simplistic ways that we characterized and turned into dogma, these ideas of gender and uh, sexual expression and roles has really perpetuated a lot of the harm, right? You know, we think of the chaste, dainty, like woman in, in lots of ways and men are oftentimes over-sexualized in, in terms of like they become as what were you saying beforehand that contributes to a, a sense of danger, not a sense of safety or trust. Oh yeah. 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 Yes. Well, cause I'm Jeff's pointing out how the church culture has done this, but also the society culture has done this too. There is a, there's a hypersexualization of men. Mm, yeah. Like you were talking about being on a sports team and, bragging in the locker, right? That That's like, that's a motif yeah. for a reason about men bragging about their sexual conquests. Mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. a pride point and to have distorted sexuality. It's a distorted sexuality yeah. versus, um, female, you know, mm-hmm. the painting, the picture of the female culture was always, uh, she needs to be this chaste virginal woman. And then you have, you know, sex in the city in the nineties. And the, this mm-hmm. part of that pushback, the pendulum swings to the other side of saying, um, women be empowered sexually. And the, that's also the distortion there is when they, when women are now using sex as a weapon or as a tool or as a way to take power back and use it over others, which also is not godly or good. Um, but it's the way these things get distorted Mm -hmm. and, um, None of that is helpful. <laughs> yeah. So where does the distort? Where did the distortion enter? And then let's let's talk a, a little bit about how we've seen continue to see some of these distortions that we're starting to name to take, bring us back to Genesis, right? Yeah. So um, that se- sexuality as this impulse towards life, towards um, union with one another and God uh, that creates more life, like we see that pre-fall. Right. Mm-hmm. So Genesis two eighteen, God has created Adam. Adam is alone. God looks at Adam and says, 
what? It is not good for man to be alone. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then we have the creation of woman and, you know, chapter two of Genesis ends with Adam and Eve being naked and being together and being unashamed. Right. So it is this beautiful vision, uh, blessed vision of shameless sexuality um, where humanity comes together in all of its fullness in, mm-hmm. and it's, it's good and blessed by God, right? Mm-hmm. It's not until Genesis 3 and the curse, right? The curse is where we see distortion enter between, mm-hmm. between the sexes and between sexuality, right? And I mean, we see in God first curses, you know, um, the serpent. And then the curse between the, the relationship between the genders, you know, it's like childbirth is going to be painful for women and it'd be, your desire will be for your husband and he shall rule over you. The thing that's yeah. always frustrated me and blown my mind is that so often the dogma that the church gripped and has upheld as this biblical quote unquote vision of healthy sexuality is affirming the curse, not affirming the original goodness, mm-hmm. right? It's saying that, hey, like the consequence of sin was this relationship of an imbalanced power dynamic where where the man is over the woman, woman serves the man and his needs in this this different way. That's not how God originally created it. And thus, it's not what God's ultimate heart is. Mm. So why are we lifting up certain gender role expressions that you started to name, you know, that you experienced in the 70s? And that our generation, Jen, has done a lot to kind of deconstruct or to push back on. Why Why do we hold that up as this vision of what mm-hmm. flourishing sexuality mm-hmm. and relationships between the genders look like? Mm. I mean, that's us living in the curse, mm. not in the new yeah. creation, yeah. right? So Great point. Great point. Because yeah. I love... Oh, Go ahead. Because that Genesis passage is really showing that we are created for um, relationship, mm-hmm. that that is a good desire. It's a wonderful thing. It's also in our wiring to want to be with other people. And in um, that garden scene is a holistic expression. They weren't looking at each other as an object mm-hmm. of that is a man. Mm, yes. And he's not like, that's a woman. Like it is, <laughs> it is a fullness. Mm-hmm. They are all their whole selves in that in that garden. That's like true intimacy. Um, I love how the Bible often describes um, the, to know one another is, mm-hmm. is an indication of that yep, they had sex. Like yeah. um, it, it's a, yes, it's a holistic yes. expression of seeing and, and engaging the whole self. And um, I love that picture. I think that's a good picture. I think it's a picture of the usness that we are called to in marriage and in mm-hmm. community. You know, in, in scripture too, I love that you just named how the biblical term for healthy sexuality and healthy sexual expression is this deep knowing, this deep holistic knowing, right? It's the sharing of oneself with the other in, in an honoring way. In scripture, when it talks about um, unhealthy or distorted sexuality, it starts, it uses a different term oftentimes. It's translated, I don't know what it is in the Hebrew or the Greek, but you know, um, it's not they knew each other. It's that they laid with one another. It's like, mm. you know, and that's typically the language that's used when the sexual expression that is being discussed um, or described is one that doesn't lead to flourishing. Mm. It, it leads to disintegration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I like the reality that Genesis talks about that our true identity is found in our relationship with God. And so when we pull away as Adam and Eve did when they sinned against God, 
is we see the essence of sin is that of fragmentation, disconnection, disorientation, polarization. And so we become disconnected not only from God, which then becomes the the expression of disconnected from each other, and then we're disconnected from ourselves. So we're seeing this deep, profound fragmentation and a inability to embrace and to know and understand and love each other because we have we've disconnected from the creator. We've disconnected mm-hmm. from God's redemptive love that we look at Paul talks about is true redemptive love. He ultimately says that true spirituality is there's no distinction between man and woman mm-hmm. or races. We're all mm-hmm. there's this transcendent view that we we see each other from the very heart of how God sees us. Mm. Yeah. And he sees us Come in on. the sense of great value and uniqueness and creativity. And, and so we lose sight of that when we reduce ourselves down to role playing or we reduce ourselves to biases or discrimination based upon our behavior or how we look. Mm. Yeah. Yes. That's good, Jeff. That'll preach. <laughs> Well, so I was thinking about, um, we keep saying that there are, there's a lot of commonality and there are distinctions. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was just reflecting on some of those and I think it's okay to say that, um, some of those distinctions, I'm like the, the female body was created to bear life. That is a unique, amazing, Mm -hmm. miraculous thing. Um, we have (laughs) organs that are different. (laughs) (laughs) There are female organs that are different than male organs that allow for the creation of a a whole nother person. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. for that person to come out of another person. I mean, we're talking, this is, this is extraordinary and it is a distinctive. Yes. It is distinctive. But the flip side of that is men are created distinctly to, I don't know how to, to seed plant. I don't know what you say there, but, <laughs> but I mean, it, it does take both. Mm-hmm. They're the independently, it doesn't work. Um, it takes both sexes, um, to do this miraculous thing, which mm-hmm. further shows how we are really created for a relationship. Yeah. We're not meant to do it alone. You can't, yeah. do it alone. can't do it alone. And you're meant to have that connection with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think, some of the hormones that we experience are different. Mm-hmm. Um, there are distinctives um, that plays out in different ways. Um, yet, we both experience the bonding hormone. Mm-hmm. Um, that oxytocin still flows through both of us. We yeah. get bonded by um, expressing love in sexual ways does actually... Um, it releases a hormone in both sexes that make us prefer each other. Right. Um, which is extraordinary. What a beautiful thing that God builds in mm-hmm. so that our relationships are stronger. And when, yeah, that's unique and beautiful. Um, and we were talking about some of the commonalities. Um, you know, people like to talk about, well, men have urges like this and women have urges like this, or women don't have urges. <gasps> Like <laughs> there's all this stuff, but the reality is, is both have urges, both have sexual desire mm-hmm. um, and both when it's done, when it's, when we are connected to who we are created to be from the Lord, like Jeff was describing, um, I think 
that expression of desire is really coming from the commonplace of we of longing for love and trustworthiness. Mm-hmm. Both of us, all of us, that is what drives us is that desire to be wanted, to be seen, to be known, to truly have an intimate connection with another where they are. There's mm-hmm. a sharing there. Yeah. The give and take that's sharing um, in the safety of a trusted relationship. That I think drives both. That is a commonplace of um, foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard it described, and I think it's actually probably a role hazard too, but um, that the, the sexual drive is, is really a drive for home to experience like, to experience a sense of home and at homeness, mm. right? That yeah. we create with another person that we turn into, you know, we cultivate home inside of a house, you know? Um, and that's, it's interesting mm. because when the sexual drive is awo- awoken, right. In both men and women at, you know, at puberty, uh, that's the very drive that drives us out of the home that we've been raised in mm. to try and seek someone yeah. else to create a new, a new one. Um, so I love that you're, I love how you've just named for us some of the beautiful distinctions and commonalities that the, um, between the sexes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you guys have more, but that was just off the top of my head of, of some of clarifying maybe a little bit of what we're talking about there. Yeah. Yeah, And I think one thing that, you know, it's a fraught to say in our present culture. And, um, I think that I don't, I want to, I want to, you know, tread carefully here, but also speak boldly. I, I do think that, um, some of the you know, the sexual minorities that are that occupy most of the headlines these days and that dominate most of the conversation, both within and with outside of the church, um, they they have wisdom to teach us. Mm-hmm. Right, part of the reason why they are ascendant is because we have got this this conversation wrong mm. in so many different ways because we perpetuated hurt and misunderstanding and fragmentation in the ways that we have envisioned. And, um, and encouraged or discouraged sexuality. So I want to say that there's value, like, you know, I find great value in those perspectives because it's, it's humbling to the church and, and our sense of rightness and truth that we have so often claimed in this subject. And at the same time, in the same breath, um, for us in this conversation in particular, right, we're, we're not fixating on behaviors or, you know, on identities uh, to define what is the good. We, we're saying that, hey, we want to affirm sexuality and that healthy sexuality is sexuality that leads to greater uh, love and connection to um, personal internal integration, mm. you know, between mind, body, spirit, soul, everything, and to greater d- degrees of integration um, between families, between communities, right? Mm. And so... Uh, we're not being prescript, prescriptive here, mm. um, but it's it's just not true that every v- form of sexuality is healthy or is helpful. Yeah, in in part, and to add to what you just said there, I think healthy sexuality is undergirded by love, and it is honoring to God, mm. and it is honoring to the dignity of the other. Mm, healthy sexuality is always honoring to the dignity of the other person, Mm -hmm. which is counter to the objectification of anyone. It's, it's um, counter to the abuses. It's counter to the power over another man. If we 
if, if we could lead the charge on loving one another in a way that really sees the other with dignity and honor and respect, and we treat them as such, it would just rapidly change um, marriages and communities and the way we raise our children. It would be beautiful. Mm -hmm. I I think what we're emphasizing is we're, we're embracing our reality of our sexuality in Genesis that talks about in man's fallenness, all of us are sexually broken. Mm. All mankind is sexually broken. Unfortunately, in our culture today is that we actually put more emphasis in some sexual brokenness mm. over others. Mm-hmm. And But the truth is, is that in our sense of our identity, in our sexuality, we all are having to deal with areas of confusion, of distortion, of addictions, of our sexuality mm. that have really come from a shame-based, um, really shame-based culture. But our shame-based culture really has its origin, again, from the fall of man. Mm-hmm. So I, getting back to what you're saying, Jen, is that we have to get back to the reference point, the infinite reference point of a loving, redeeming God who embraces all of us, who cares for all of us, regardless of what that brokenness looks like. Mm -hmm. Whatever the behavior is, whatever we're struggling with in our sexuality. And I know our story, and I've shared my story before, is, you know, from dealing with my own sexual brokenness of struggling with, you know, struggling with addiction of pornography and sexual addiction, is that I've, I've... dealt with a lot of shame and Mm -hmm. a lot of darkness and confusion of understanding who I really am in God. Mm -hmm. And so that's been the beauty of why I've come to know Christ is understanding it's His redemptive grace and His love that has brought me to a place of of acceptance and being to see, seeing who I am, even in my brokenness, that God Mm -hmm. sees me and values me, even in, um, in my, um, even in my addiction, that yeah. God embraces me and loves me. And therefore, instead of turning against myself mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. hating myself because of that, mm-hmm. I've been able to, because of God's love, I've been able to accept who I am because God accepts me for mm-hmm. who I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that acceptance, that, um, gosh, I can only imagine how it changes um well, I think a lot of people fall into some of the distortions of sex and sexuality because um, there's a deep, there is deep confusion or deep pain and there's loneliness and a lot of the distortions come with coping. Um, and I, whether it's uh, driven underground and, and um, comes out in the dark of the night, or if it's you know, the pendulum swings the other way and it's in promiscuity and um, using sexualization as a power play and all these things. I, it's, it can often be used as a coping, the distortion, um, because there is, I think, pain um, for, for a variety of reasons um, that we're dealing with and, and not knowing what to do with some of the sexual urges and the pleasure that it provides, I think we use it in, in unhealthy ways. And I think that's where a lot of the pain and damage and abuses come in. Um, Jeff, you were sharing some of your story, my, like some of my, um, why this is such a 
powerful topic for me too, is because I've had sex used against me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for me, so much of the, the conversation is about, um, is a sensitivity to safety. Am I safe with the other sex? If, if it's true that men's hormones just flood them and they're, you know, all Mm -hmm. that, like, Mm -hmm. is that really true? Does that mean that Every man is just a, a walking like threat. Like yeah, that's not yeah. true. It's, yeah. So it's so important for me to also work that road of redemption. And what is God's true design here? Because he didn't design men as these, un, like these, you know, beasts with uncontrollable urges. They are safe people. They can be safe people. They can control these, these urges. Um, women I don't have to run from my sexuality. I, it is not this um, terrible, horrific thing that um, I want to crush or hide down or, or repress in me. I get to, it can be safe within myself too, to be, um, to be a sexual being. Um, even though it was used in such a terrible way against me, I can, God can redeem that. Mm-hmm. And so that's been part of my journey is really diving into this so that um, I find where is the redemption in sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're all, I love, I'm so grateful, Jeff, that you named for us the broken nature of all of our sexuality and just how, what, what dishonor we have done to one another when we have created this hierarchy of brokenness and how that served to separate us rather than um, to create empathy and compassion that, Hey, each of us and our sexuality has been touched by brokenness in one way or another. And that's something that breaks God's heart because he longs this, this aspect of our humanity, our individual identity and of our shared humanity and relationship is one of the most sacred aspects of being human. And it's part of, it's one of the most exquisite parts of how he created us, Mm. right? Meant to bring union, love, connection, and flourishing. And it's something, the the brokenness of the world and brokenness within each of us has, um, uh, it breaks his heart, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, it's the brokenness in his heart with regard to this state of the world isn't this angry, punitive, mm-hmm. shaming yeah. Yeah. God, yeah. Right. right? It is not this, oh, how could you desecrate? It is... Uh, it's a tender brokenheartedness. It's a longing for uh, each of us, our marriages and each of us as individuals to experience the depth of beauty and freedom and healing and health and joy that comes with um, a sexuality that's surrendered to God and is being, uh, is being restored and is being mm-hmm. uh, uplifted. And I, I mean, I know, yeah, this is a, a sensitive and a, a passionate topic for me too, because I, my story contains elements of both of yours, right? Mm. Both addiction and abuse, both, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, and, and so I have such deep empathy and compassion for people wherever they're at on the spectrum of sexuality yeah. and what they're, they're wrestling with, because when we are not able to find safe spaces to bring this part of our, our stories into, um, and to share and to discuss and to wrestle with the complexity of what is going on inside the walls of the church, outside the walls of the church, inside the homes, out, outside of the homes, you know, um, the tendency is for all of us to be, to live enslaved in fear 
and shame, right? Yeah. To fear that mm-hmm. we're uniquely broken, that we that nobody will understand us, that we, mm-hmm. that people are not safe, that that God is not safe, that my own sexuality is not safe. Mm-hmm. And that is just the opposite of God's heart. Yeah. And I love, you know, we know scripturally that God sent his son not to judge the world, not to judge us, but he came to redeem and restore us. And mm-hmm. when we lose sight of God's redemption and we lose sight of his love, then we're going to reduce our, we're going to reduce ourselves and when we reduce ourselves down to stereotypes and then we'll discriminate against one another, we'll judge one another and we lose sight of our story. We lose sight of the, that we all share a similar story that comes out of Genesis and our brokenness and our pain. Mm-hmm. And so when we can able to sit with each other and hear each other's story and understand that we all come from a journey out of our own pain that has had a great impact on our, not on our spirituality, but our spirituality encompasses our sexuality and how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about each other. Mm-hmm. And so that's the beautiful journey of, you know, what I believe of being a Christian and knowing, knowing Christ is I've been on this, I've been on this journey for the last 40 years of my life for trying to understand and to embrace my true identity, my true spirituality. And with that comes to really embrace who I am in my wholeness, in my sexuality. Mm-hmm. And with that, having to face my pain and having to face understanding my, in my own human development, in, yeah. in my own family of origin and areas of my life where, uh, where I did experience a father wound or I did experience the absence of, of um, affirmation from my mother. And I'm not here mm-hmm. judging them, but mm-hmm. I understanding my story, it gives me a greater compassion of understanding of who I am, mm-hmm. which then I can also understand and have compassion for other people. Yeah. And so if you're listening to this and you have been struggling with um, just trauma or um, painful things, if this is a a pain point in your marriage, if this is a pain point in your own life, in your relationships, um, if you're uh, listening to us, realizing um, maybe you've been using, um, maybe it's hard for you to even talk about the idea that we're we're expressing here Mm -hmm. that you can be a sexual being. That's okay. If that makes you uncomfortable, if you realize that maybe you've been using sexual acts as a coping um, to numb in some way or to Mm -hmm. escape in some way or to prove something, or if you have been um, just feeling like um, this has been a wedge between you and God or Mm -hmm. you and others. um, Gosh, we just want to encourage you to come talk to others come mm-hmm. forward and and there's so many resources available and you don't have to live this alone for years in yeah. silence and in, in a dark place um just as a secret place of a secret struggle um come seek help talk to others there's a whole community um in here um not just at our church but i wherever you're listening i i know that we're not the only church that longs for healing for people. So come yeah. forward and, and seek help and don't live these years um, alone in silence. But um, mm-hmm. God has more. Yeah. God wants more for us. Mm-hmm. He wants, um, 
Jeff, for your, your journey, it's a testimony for a reason. It points to a good God who loves and restores and redeems. My story is a good story Mm -hmm. that is so painful. And yet I see the redemption of God Mm -hmm. and um, how, how wonderful and how he has used my marriage to help bring some of the healing. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, I have gotten to know a really good, wonderful man who is so safe to help counteract these lies that entered in. God uses all these things to mm-hmm. um, really show us that there is, he has more for us. He really yeah. does have abundant life for us. Mm-hmm. And so whatever you might be struggling with, if this is a really uncomfortable topic for you, God has more to step into the journey. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It may be scary, but it's worth it. That's good, Jim. Very good. Yeah. I think we've come to kind of a, a good, a good place to maybe um, end this and tie it up. And I just want to say that obviously we have not, covered everything here. Uh, um, and this is a topic that is really important to a lot of people because uh, it's important to every, every single human being as a sexual being. And so we'll, we'll dive into this more. Um, we'll explore this more in, in different capacities. We obviously, we take, we go into different, if you're in a skills course, you know, whether you're in men's skills or women's skills, um, we, we cover sexuality to some degree and we go into some different places, uh, that we didn't go here today. So hopefully this conversation is served as a, a nice compliment to some of what you're engaging in groups. And yeah, Jen, I just love the invitation that you extended to everybody yeah. to, you, because Jen. that's, that's what God is offering each of us. And we've all experienced the, the kind invitation of God towards a more holistic, healthy sexuality has resulted, has been scary. It has been a yeah. painful journey for each mm-hmm. one of us. Um, it's been a humbling journey, but it has led to a life of deeper meaning, mm-hmm. of, of, of greater freedom, of, and to experiences that I think God longs for every person to have in mm-hmm. one way or another. And so, you know, we, we talked and when we were kind of discussing stuff beforehand, we noticed a couple of different words popping up and they've, they've emerged here, you know, and that's one of those is honor. One of those is freedom. One of those is love. And we got them written up on the board here that nobody can see, but us, our <laughs> cheat board. But, uh, you know, this affirming sexuality and this healthy expression of sexuality, you know, um, we've saw, seen it gone awry when we lose freedom, when we relegate people to stereotypes and to specific, the, performing specific roles, right? Mm. We've seen that change throughout cultures and throughout generations, you know. Um, We've also seen honor distort sexuality, right? When, uh, and we've seen that, we talked about this briefly in other cultures that, you know, are are less individualistic and are more communal, where if somebody's sexual experience can be, can dishonor the whole family and and there's even such things as honor killings, right? Mm. Um, So, these things, so honor without freedom is a distortion and can lead to harm. Freedom without honor or accountability, without this understanding that we are connected to one another in profound ways leads to dishonoring people and leads to fragmentation into harm. Mm-hmm. But any of these things without love, without being grounded in love, because we as beings, we believe as Christians that we move and we breathe and we find our being in Christ, right? In Christ, the God of love, Christ, the full expression of the Father, the Father's love for us. And so 
Um, if if we were going to take, if people were going to take anything from this conversation, I hope it would be that God is a good God who who created and who affirms the beauty and complexity of sexuality, that he's designed it to be an expression of his heart for intimacy mm-hmm. um, and as a good gift that he's given to his, his kids, that if it isn't leading to love, if, if our understanding of sexuality and our expression of sexuality doesn't lead to loving God, to loving ourselves, and to loving other people in holistic ways, then we need to pause and to reconsider and to investigate and become curious about our stories and about the forces that have shaped our understanding of sexuality. So I look forward to exploring mm-hmm. this topic um, with you guys more in podcasts to come. And, you know, if you've got any final words, now's the time. And if not, we'll just, we'll put a pin in it. I just say, amen. <laughs> I like word. the way you said that. Joseph. Yeah. Thanks friends. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have questions or need help or for more information about how to take the next step in your healing journey, please Feel free to email us at ftlpod at northcoastcalvary.org or head over to the relationshipresource.org to learn about what classes and resources are available to support you. A big thanks to North Coast Calvary Chapel and the Relationship Resource for making this podcast possible. Our podcast was directed and produced by Joseph Carlson and edited by Nate King. Original music by the one and only Brian McMaster. <laughs>